The Truth News Network. Since Gutenberg, we were warned not to trust what we read in the papers. At no time in history has that been more true than it is today. So where do you go for news you can trust? You turn to TNN, the Truth News Network, and the most trusted man in America, Dan Newman. Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) I think I'm trusted just because I'm pretty proficient at giving information out, truthful information. That's what we do here, by the way. Those of you who are at TNN Live or you read our offerings at truthnewsnet.org, you get what we're all about. And I want to say thank you for coming here to get your information, or at least get the information which you can use to correct the other information that you don't trust. That says a lot about who you are. And that's what we're all about here. Hey, did you have a good weekend? My goodness. I know we've got people listening in today that are still locked down in the snow and the ice and the low, 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 low temperatures. This has been a crazy winter so far, and we're just now getting into it. I mean, we had tornadoes while all this snow and blizzard stuff is happening up in the Northeast and the Midwest. We have a plethora of tornadoes on the west coast of southern Florida. I mean, weather? You don't like the weather? What did they say? Wait 20 minutes and it's going to change? That's what we're in, folks. And for those of you listening in, just please know this one thing. We can't change the climate. We can't change the climate. Climate's going to do what climate's going to do. Mother Nature controls that. God controls that. We don't. We can impact things around us environmentally. We can, ecologically. We can do that. And we do it. Thankfully, the United States, I guess compared to no other nation in the world, we caught on to that years ago, decades ago, and we've begun every year to clean ourselves up even more and more and more ecologically, environmentally, we're number one on the globe at making our footprints on our planet be a whole lot better than if we were just ignoring it and using the planet without giving back. I'm not a climate change advocate. I think those of you who know me No, that's not the case, but it is good to be ecologically sound in what we do and the decisions we make. I mean, throw the stuff away. Don't throw it on the street. You get me? You got that sermon for free. (laughs) I hope you had a great weekend, and I'm, I'm sure many of you, thousands of you, came and looked at our Saturday bullet points, looked at our guest writer in yesterday's offering. If you didn't have a chance to look at it yet, make sure you go and do that. It's a great article from one of our uh, our buddies over in the UK. We were introduced to her by Kelly Nelson, one of our regular writers here at Truth News Network. Well, let's get cranking. What do we have going on today? Every day, folks, we have COVID-19 stuff. Every day. Just when we think we've got our arms around it all, something else pops up and we realize we're just barely scratching the surface. And it's like a vicious cycle. 
Don't you agree? It's kind of like, I thought I was already here like a year ago or two years ago. I thought I was past that. And we find out, nope, here it is again. So a question, you remember this song, Will It Go Round in Circles? I'm not going to sing it, but I can sing it. It's a really good up-tempo song by Billy Preston, who passed away this past year. He was in the 70s. African-American guy, you may remember he he was a small guy, but he always wore these massive afros. He did a couple of tours with the Beatles. He was a great organist and a singer and a songwriter. Anyway, the way I found out about Billy was I was a DJ, started in high school and spent a lot of my early adult life DJing. I played that song, Will It Go Around in Circles a Bunch. I didn't understand the words to the song, though, but I'm pretty sure I get it right now. Have you stopped to try to objectively analyze what our nation has been through since early 2020? Well, we haven't had any wars, no armed international conflicts of any kind, no drought, no armed invasions, other than those which are man-made and thrust upon our nation for political purposes. Of course, those come at us every day, don't they? Sure, we've had some horrific storms, hurricanes, volcanoes, mudslides, and fires. Each was horrible and unthinkable. Those come from nature and were not our creations, despite what Al Gore says, folks. So before you question me about the obvious, COVID-19, consider this. COVID-19 was and is today still a disaster. But in large part, COVID-19's pandemic was not natural. It was manipulated into existence and perpetrated by who? Men. And primarily for political purposes. We're finding out that's more and more the case every day. No doubt. Hundreds of thousands of Americans have died from infection by COVID-19. Now, in retrospect, we daily hear the questions rising in number and volume. Have we acted in our response to COVID-19 with wisdom garnered from facts? Heck no. We're reacting. But we're not, on large part, acting from facts, even finding an answer to that is more than speculation becomes more and more impossible every day. Facts that we witness firsthand do not seem to align with the narrative of the medical experts who pontificate about their knowledge and godly intentions while they usher more and more of us into hospital intensive care units and funeral homes. So what's really going on? Well, to get this week started off right, Let's listen to what one of the most, if not the most objection, objective analyst about political things, void of political narrative, listen to what he says about what's really happening during this era of COVID-19. Who am I talking about? Victor Davis Hanson. He's my favorite and most objective go-to source for really impartial intellectual facts about how many of the issues Americans are facing today. Here's what he said. 
From the moment COVID-19 appeared, the pandemic became inseparable from political frenzy, was inevitable. Since the SARS-CoV-2 virus may have escaped from a level 4 security virology lab in Wuhan, China, the rapid fire spread soon threatened to indict the Chinese Communist government for nearly destroying the world economy and killing millions. Western elites in response feared that their own lucrative investments in China would be jeopardized by such disclosures, and so they acted accordingly and defended Beijing. Nonetheless, one scenario that remains intriguing is that the escape virus was birthed by gain-of-function research scientists overseen by elements of the Chinese Communist military. Worse, the lab was given money, subsidies by U.S. health authorities, routed through third parties, kind of like to make it clean money, right? Hiding all of that damaging information warped government policy and media coverage at the same time. Belatedly, a panicked China shut down all domestic travel in and out of Wuhan, but not flights abroad to Western Europe and the United States. And the rest is history. From the outset, the World Health Organization simply spread false talking points about the outbreak from the Chinese government, delaying a robust global response. Former President Trump's political opponents, they initially told Americans to shop and travel as usual, only to pivot as cases mounted. And of course, they blamed the president. The U.S. 2020 ban on travel from China was met with charges of racism, xenophobia from presidential candidates, of course. Ironically, many were simply channeling racist and xenophobic China's propaganda when they did that. Many doctors kept hammering the need for therapeutics, including taboo off-label use of cheap generic drugs. The use of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin was widely ridiculed, despite continuing studies from abroad attesting to their usefulness. You know, those studies were abroad. Nobody here was checking out, at the time, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. They weren't doing in laboratory tests, but they were over in Europe. They were over in Asia. I wonder why that is. Trump's Operation Warp Speed project to develop vaccinations was also pilloried. Candidates Kamala Harris and Joe Biden did their best to talk down the safety of the impending inoculations. Well, once in power, they projected their own harmful rhetoric onto so-called anti-vaxxers. Then they claimed credit for the initial success of the Trump vaccinations. The Pfizer Corporation had promised a major pre-election announcement about its likely rollout of a vaccine in October, just days before the 2020 election. Then, mysteriously, Pfizer claimed the vaccine, in fact, would not be ready before November 3rd. A few days after November 3rd, of course, that was the day of the election of Joe Biden, the company reversed course and announced the vaccinations are going to soon be available. Then New York Governor Andrew Cuomo obstructed most all federal help with Trump's fingerprints on it. That way, 
Cuomo became a media Emmy-winning darling before he was forced to resign in disgrace. Cuomo's policies of steering infected patients into long-term care facilities doomed over 10,000 of New York's elderly. New York is now illegally using race to grant preferences in the allotments of tests and new drugs. The rhetoric of the media progressive nexus that mandatory massive lockdowns were necessary, all but destroying a booming Trump economy, and denied critical medical care to millions, emphasizing therapeutics, natural herd immunity, and the resilience of the youth to the disease were all pronounced anti-science by the demagogues on the left. A bunch of celebrities and politicos, such as California Governor Gavin Newsom and failed presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, boasted the pandemic lockdown offered the perfect crisis that must not go to waste Politically, Jane Fonda even crowed that COVID-19 was a gift from God to the left in helping to end Donald Trump. In the waning days of the 2022 campaign, Biden went so far as to blame Trump personally for all the deaths from the virus. Once the vaccinations had seemed to work in early 2021, an upbeat Joe Biden boasted that he would end the virus by this past summer. How was he going to do it? By following the science. He went so far as to claim that no one had been vaccinated prior to his inauguration, even though 17 million, including Biden himself, had been vaccinated. Then Nemesis answered such hubris. The unforeseen Delta and Omicron variants hit. A new phrase, Breakthrough case revealed that the vaxes often could only prevent serious illness, but not infection and not infectiousness. Vax people spread it just like unvaxed people. Suddenly, the best and brightest people with three shots who had blasted the red state rubes as the ignorant unvaxed started getting sick. More have now died from the virus on Biden than on Trump's watch. A warped economy amid renewed COVID-19 outbreaks helped to further destroy Biden's waning popularity. In reaction, the left now calls for realism, emphasis on treatments, and acknowledgement of the value of natural immunities. It's even newly curious about the origins of the virus and the need to get back to normal were suddenly told that thousands had died with rather than because of COVID, the exact opposite of what we heard in the Trump era. A skeptic might suggest terror over the impending midterms finally made the left face reality. Politicizing the pandemic is a euphemism. In truth, thousands of Americans have died needlessly because of weaponized disinformation about China's culpability, about vaccines, about useful drugs, about lockdowns, about racial preferences, and long care facilities. What I have to say to that, well, Victor Davis Hanson, he hit the nail on the head. I'm tired of 
of second-guessing myself, let alone the experts who stand before us every day to remind us how stupid we are, while telling, not showing us, how enlightened and educated on all things COVID-19 they are. All this continues to happen while Americans are dying. From COVID-19, but not just COVID, also because of adverse reactions to those life-saving vaccines. So I'm looking for the answer. And the answer should come from the Oval Office. No, it's not realistic to expect this or any president to have all the answers. But the defining attribute of good leadership at any level is for the expert to recognize they don't have all the answers when they don't have all the answers. The answers that are desperately needed for whatever dilemma is being faced at the time. A good leader finds the real experts on each dilemma, brings them into the conversation, listens to their solutions, and then implements those solutions. I haven't seen that process play out in even one area of our lives in the last, oh, year or so. But we did see, we saw that live daily during the previous four years. Say what you will. Donald Trump brought business ethics and operations to the Oval Office. He certainly wasn't a good politician based on the age-old definition of that word, but he got things done. That's not happening now. Meanwhile, Americans are dying, and Americans and other people around the globe are dying, many of them, needlessly. And that's no good thing. I think every one of us can agree with that. So in the context of where we are today, where are we today? Well, folks, we're actually in a federal holiday today. It's Martin Luther King Day, a day when we look back and we pay our respects for Martin Luther King Jr., who was assassinated, who, if he was still alive, I can promise you this one thing, he would be a Republican. Why do I say that? Folks, listen, do you remember way back when all that happened, when he was on the voting trail around the nation, was making the case for fairness in voting for everyone, no matter skin color, no matter nation of origin, if you were a citizen, you should and legally needed to have the right to vote, to pick who you wanted to serve and represent you in any federal office. And he died for that. That, of course, is sad. I want to say this. Alveda King, you know who she is? Alveda King is his niece, She obviously is African-American. She's very politically active. And um, she, by the way, is extremely conservative. So she was on a podcast this weekend with Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. Alveda King shared that her uncle's I have a dream message is deeply rooted in the American dream. It's important today, she said. 
here in the 21st century in this new year of 2022 for us to re-examine what the American dream is. We know that we're one human race. We're not separate races, and science has proven that. We can see that when we read the Bible in Acts 17, 26, that we are one blood, one human race. And she was referring to the scripture that said this, quote, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And she added, so what does that mean in 2022 as we celebrate the birthday of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? She noted that today, even though we have different skin colors, and that is, by the way, ethnicity, not race, we must come together as brothers and sisters and respect human dignity. She talked about her parents and of her extended family. We grew up in a time, she said, and I'm still living in this time and teaching this to my children and grandchildren, that we have to love one another and promote human dignity. I'm sure this was a tough one for her to swallow when she was young, after her uncle and others within her family were targeted or murdered for their political views. Alvita said that after those experiences, she wanted to hate somebody. But she said her beloved father told her shortly after MLK Jr. was killed, Alvita, you can't hate white people. White people live with us. White people march with us. White people pray with us. White people die with us. The devil killed my brother. The devil killed your uncle. So I was brought up my whole life, she said, to forgive and to love. Martin Luther King said, I've decided to stick with love. He said that the hate was too difficult to burden to bear. She stressed that we are one nation under God, and remembering that, we need to work together and to love each other and regard human dignity from the womb to the tomb. This is a 365-day imperative, not a once-a-year event or action. As we continue to love and regard and communicate with each other and not hate, we will see that people will listen and respond accordingly. She told the senator, I pray that everyone who sees your show will remember in 2022 to be kind. Interesting. He was a great speaker, folks. Oh my gosh. He was one of the best. And he grew up and he died in a time when, who was in charge of our government at the time? Democrats. Who were the people that were dead set against Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his messaging? Well, people like George Wallace, a Democrat, former governor of Alabama, extremely anti-black and racist, and a bunch of other Democrats. Interesting note, I had a very early morning conversation this, this, this morning with somebody I'm very close with, and we talked just for a moment about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he made some things abundantly clear. On the most part, white people don't understand racism. And there's no way to understand racism, anything like racism, although I don't think there's anything around that's just like racism, unless you live through it. 
And for somebody to say, I understand, or I know, or I have a black friend, we can't understand that. Just like we can't understand the lives of the people that are flooding across our border, many of them that are genuinely looking for a better life for themselves and their families, because we've not gone through those kinds of things here. Folks, we're blessed. We live in the greatest nation on the planet. We have the most opportunity of any citizen of the world who lives somewhere else because we are guaranteed the right to pursue our dreams, period. I don't know of another country that that's the driving force of what they do and how the government is structured. And of course, meanwhile, we're sitting here today on Monday, January 17th, and Folks politically are trying to take all of that away and make everything be like other countries on planet Earth. This gentleman I was speaking with this morning, he talked about the flood of citizens from foreign countries that are coming into the United States and why they're coming. And he said this very, very salient point to me. He said, Democrats think that all of the Latinos, the people that are coming from Central America and South America, and even people from other countries, are coming here, they think, and the reason they're opening up the southern border and letting it happen like it's happening is they believe they're all coming in as Democrats. And he said, Dan, they don't understand Latinos and how people from Mexico especially view their lives. He said they work, and they work hard. A friend of his, a mutual friend of ours, owns a pretty large construction company, and this guy told who I was talking to told him, I employ a lot of Latin people, and I love the way they operate their lives. They come to work a little early, They work hard all the time. They don't waste time. When it's lunchtime, instead of leaving for an hour or two and going to a restaurant or whatever, they'll go sit under the tree and eat lunch that somebody at the house prepared for them and they came to work with it. 30 minutes later, typically, they go right back to work. They work hard. When it rains, this construction company owner said, when it rains, My crews, they all just leave because we're in the construction business. He said, Latino workers will go sit under a tree and wait for the rain to stop and then go back to work. Democrats should be worried about having the flood coming across our southern border because those people want to come here. Yeah, they want to come here for jobs. But folks, who's the best worker for any job in your company? Is it somebody that just happens to be of a political narrative that you kind of like or a skin color that you kind of like? Absolutely not. Some of the best employees that have ever worked in our organization are people of different skin color, different ethnicity, and it's because they put their shoulder to the task and they're driven to be good at what they do and to improve their lives and therefore the lives of the company for which they work all at the same time. You know what we call that? 
capitalism. So the Democrat parties, seriously, the people in D.C., they're looking down their noses at these Latin people. They only look at them as being a potential vote. That's all they think. They treat them like second-class citizens. They don't interact with them. I don't want to call Democrats or anybody a racist. I don't know their hearts, but I watch what they do and how they treat people, and it's not a good thing. This worm is turning, folks. Most of the Latin people that are finding their way in here and are going to stay here, if and when they get a legal right to vote, listen to what I'm about to tell you. The majority of these that are coming in now, these Latin people, they're going to vote Republican. They're not going to support this top-down government coming in, wanting to pay for everything, trying to buy people's support. It's never happened in history. It will happen willy-nilly, a little bit here, a little over there, but on the, the most part, all the way up at the top of this, folks, this is a stupid decision by the leaders on the left. Think about that. You got that for free here on MLK Day. Well, what do we have going on here? I want to get into, in just a moment, that uh, incident that happened in Colleyville, Texas, over northeast of uh, Fort Worth yesterday at that Jewish synagogue, and get into not just what happened. Very, yeah, You know everything that happened, but the radioactive fallout from that and how politically people are responding to that. It's interesting. You don't want to miss this. A whole lot more. Do you know who Representative uh, Raffin, Jamie Raskin, Jamie Raskin is? We're gonna, I'm going to let you listen to something that he said over the weekend on one of the talk shows. It's going to make your hair curl. It really is. Also, ABC's Martha Raddatz had the Surgeon General on yesterday talking about this administration and the way they are handling or not handling COVID-19 and testing and vaccinations and all that stuff. It's, it's going to be a full day. Don't go anywhere. We're just cranking it up. Back after this. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. I know I should quit smoking, but it's just... <sighs> My feet and hands are numb a lot. Walking to the bathroom gets me winded. <laughs> I cough all the time. Seriously? I've been dying to quit. Don't wait till you're dying to call. When your health is worse, it will be too late. 1-866-QUIT-YES. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the American Lung Association in Illinois. QuitYes.org. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. Grab an ice cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. 
Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. Are you ready for best life minus the burnout? I'm Zuri Hall from NBC's Access Hollywood, and my new podcast, Hot Happy Mess, is all about the most important VIP, you. Join us each Monday as we discuss relationships, self-care, career, and much more. Our podcast is for mindful, ambitious, diverse millennial women who are ready for more happiness, laughter, peace, and purpose now. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, and it's easy to see why. Listen to Hot Happy Mess every week on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Married to the truth, divorced from the lies, fighting for the future. TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. And again, Dan Newman. I know you heard about this terrorist that burst into the sanctuary during a Sabbath service at Congregation Beth Israel in Colleyville, Texas. He took several members of the community hostage from that service, including the rabbi, by the way, before he was killed by the FBI. I, uh, at the very, I guess a very long extended time of sitting there negotiating. That's horrible. That's horrible. But let me tell you what makes it even worse. During a press conference later Saturday, FBI special agent in charge, a guy named Matthew DeSorno, said the rescue came as the result of a long, long day of hard work by nearly 200 law enforcement officers from across the region. DeSarno said the FBI has identified the now deceased suspect, but said they were not prepared to release his identity Saturday night. They have since. He also would not go into the details of the hostage taker's motivation. Listen to what he said, quote, We do believe that, from engaging with the subject, he was singularly focused on one issue, and it was not just related to the Jewish community. We will continue to work to find motives, and we'll continue on that path in terms of the resolution of the incident. Not related. Not related to where he was when it happened. He was in a temple, a Sabbath service for a Jewish community. But it wasn't, his motive wasn't anti-Semitism. Where does that come from? Let me tell you where it comes from. And the reason I, I wanted to bring this up this morning, you and I, most of our readers and people in our audience today, look back at what all happened during the previous administration when we had the Russia collusion thing and we find out all of the corruption that happened then and apparently had been happening for some time in our FBI. I don't trust the FBI right now. And I've got a really close friend that is way up, way up in management in the FBI. There are some really good people, I'm sure, in the FBI, but leadership in D.C., I just don't know, folks. I just don't know. So when you look at this, and over the last months, when we found out they're declaring that, or they're looking at parents going to 
school board meetings and standing up and voicing their opinions, sometimes angrily, about the curriculum and some of the things happening at public schools, that they're going, they actually last week opened a division of the Department of Justice to watch and to investigate those groups and those individuals that have been labeled domestic terrorists. And they have lumped these parents that are just exercising the First Amendment to try to take care of their kids in school. No mention of Antifa destroying every night for months the city of Portland, Oregon. Mostly American, not domestic terrorists, though. Burning down buildings, putting people out of business, beating up people, attacking federal and state and local officers. Several of those federal officers that went are blind for life because of what happened to them. Those aren't domestic terrorists. And then Black Lives Matter. They tore apart numerous cities during the last year. No legal authority to do that. Everybody has a right to peacefully protest and make their voices heard, but not destroy public property, private property, or even to hurt anybody, yet alone kill people. I would think that Black Lives Matter is a domestic organization. It was founded here in the United States in New York City. I would think that would fit the term, the definition the FBI published years ago. What is and who is? a domestic terrorist. Now, in all fairness, the FBI came back and and they did say this was obviously an anti-Semitic attack that happened. But to have a special agent stand up and say, we can't connect it with the synagogue. has nothing to do with the synagogue as far as we know. That just happened to be the place where, well, now, wait a minute. He was trying to get a lady a female that's in a maximum security prison in Fort Worth, who is, by the way, a domestic terrorist, but she is foreign, she may not be domestic, to get her released. And he went to a synagogue not to release her, but to make his demands be heard. Anti-Semitism? You're darn right. There is no other plausible explanation. And to make matters worse, Michigan, Michigan's state attorney general, he had to really ramp it up to find some people to blame. As that situation played out in Colleyville, Michigan's attorney general, Dana Nessel, suggested it was connected to white supremacy. While Joe Biden called it an act of terror and then proclaimed that there wasn't sufficient information to know what happened. (laughs) These are our leaders, folks. Nestle appeared on MSNBC on Saturday to make her outrageous insinuation just about an hour after the Islamic attacker demanded the release of terrorist Pakistani neuroscientist Aifia Siddiqui, better known as Lady Al-Qaeda after he took hostages at the Beth Israel Synagogue. Nessel adamantly stated that her biggest concern was that this siege was a hate crime or domestic terrorism, and then suggested 
white supremacy organizations could be behind the attack. Quote, we have I, I'm, I'm just aghast at this. She said, we have seen an incredible rise in rhetoric that is anti-Semitic being trafficked all around the world. She charged and then noted an exponential rise in the formation and the membership of these extremist organizations, many of which are white supremacy organizations, and they traffic in hatred against Jews and other minorities. If it does turn out, that is the motivating factor here, it would hardly be a surprise. And she obviously had to be trying to stir up some type of incitement. Meanwhile, the president echoed ridiculous talking points from the FBI, stating that there wasn't sufficient information to know why the Muslim hostage taker targeted a synagogue in Texas. He is, he's, he is a radical Islamist. Why would he go anywhere else to play out this ploy other than a Jewish synagogue? The infidel, the ultimate infidel, or the Jewish people. Do you know why he targeted that specific synagogue, Mr. President? And a reporter asked, well, no, I don't. We don't have, I don't think there is sufficient information to know about why he targeted that synagogue or why he insisted on the release of someone who's been in prison for over 10 years, why he was engaged, why he was using anti-Semitic and anti-Israeli comments. I We just don't have enough facts. If it quacks and waddles, Mr. President, not most of the time, it's always a duck. So this guy, British national Malik Fazal Akram, age 44, he was the hostage taker. He was killed in the incident, claimed to be Siddiqui's brother. He demanded the release of Lady Al-Qaeda. All the hostages, thankfully, were survived, and they were rescued. Nobody died except him. Why do we have to weaponize everything politically? Why can't we just hit issues of every ilk head-on and do nothing but deal with facts with which we resolve all of these kind of issues. Doesn't that make sense to you? Why do people on the left feel like that they have to just force everything, everything, regardless of what it is, regardless of what it's about, regardless of who's involved, shove it into a funnel full of all their radical concepts, And down at the bottom, the only thing that can come out, it's racist. And that means it's white supremacist. Everybody that is not African-American and of Democrat political background is a white supremacist. I'm literally telling you, I hear that again and again and again. And this Michigan AG doing that is exactly what we're talking about. And speaking of people from up in the Northeast and people that have some issues and people that are far left and all screwed up, Maryland's prosecutor, infamous for going soft on crime and trying to railroad the police officers involved in the death of criminal suspect Freddie Gray, you remember that? Well, she's found herself on the other side of the law. 
Department of Justice prosecutors last week indicted Baltimore City State's Attorney Marilyn Mosby. Remember her? The Freddie Brown thing when that happened, she was front and center every day, all day. They've charged her with perjury, making false statements as per a series of unethical financial crimes she'd committed. Listen to this. A release from the DOJ notes that her crime spree began in May of last year, well, two years ago, 2020, when she claimed to have experienced adverse financial consequences from the coronavirus as a result of being quarantined, furloughed, or laid off, having reduced work hours, being unable to work due to lack of child care, or the closing or reduction of hours of a business that she owned or operated. That's on the form that she claimed these financial hardships. Well, this claim allowed her to prematurely withdraw money from her city retirement account. And she pulled out $40,000 at the time, another fifty grand in December of 2020. She withdrew the money, despite not suffering any such financial hardships. Now, this is according to the DOJ. Points out that she received her full gross salary. It's low. It's not much. It's just $247,955.58 from January 1, 2020 through December 29, 2020. And she got it every two weeks. That was gross pay and direct deposits, $9,183.54 a pop. In fact, if anything, she wound up making even more money during the first year of the pandemic with her salary being boosted by 10 grand. The Democrat prosecutor's crime spree continued with her making false statements and applications for a $490,500 mortgage to purchase a home in Kissimmee, Florida, Disney World. And for another, a $428,400 mortgage to purchase a condo in Longboat Key, Florida. On both applications, she said no in response to questions about whether she was presently delinquent or in default on any federal debt. Yet, according to the DOJ, she had so much unpaid federal taxes from a number of previous years that in March of that year, the IRS had placed a lien against all property and rights to property belonging to Mosby and her husband. I guess she's taking her operational procedures in her life from people like, oh, Al Sharpton. But she wasn't done even then, folks. A week before she closed on the Kissimmee home, she executed an agreement with a vacation home management company giving the management company control over the rental of that Kissimmee property. But she then turned around and signed a second home rider, a tool that allows Americans who buy second homes to benefit from lower interest rates on their second home's mortgage. However, a second home writer stipulates that the borrower treat the supposed second home as an actual second home, meaning don't do what she did, put it up for rent to use it to make money. Mosby is the quintessential left-wing prosecutor in this nation. Following that Freddie Gray incident back in 2015, 
She tried again and again to railroad local cops, blaming them for his unfortunate death. But all six officers were eventually acquitted and went on to sue her for her malicious prosecution. Since then, she's doubled down on her pro-criminal ideology. She said her office will no longer prosecute the following offenses, drug and drug paraphernalia, possession, prostitution, trespassing, minor traffic offense, open container violations, and urinating and defecating in public. Three months after she started this, over 30 businesses in the Baltimore neighborhood of Fells Point pinned a letter to city folks, including Mosby, threatening to withhold future tax payments unless the culture of lawlessness in the city was taken care of. What is happening in our front yard? This is from that letter. The chaos and lawlessness that escalated this weekend into another night of tragic, unspeakable gun violence has been going on for far too long. We have struggled through a global pandemic, enduring restaurant shutdowns and mask mandates. For months, we've been holding on by a thread, waiting for daybreak, worrying whether we'll make it or if we'll be the next business to shutter our doors for good. Through this adversity at great expense to ourselves, we have sacrificed for the sake of our customers, employees, and this community. We've done this because we love Fells Point, believe it represents the very best of Baltimore, but we've reached our breaking point. Our elected leaders have closed their eyes and ears and turned their backs on our community for a long time. We're fed up and frustrated, and we now realize that nothing will change unless we demand attention. What's that thing I tell you all the time? Nothing changes if nothing changes. Think about that. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Despite Mosby's poor policy-making decisions and her financial crimes, she, much like every Democrat, has her own base of sycophantic groupies who believe she can do no wrong. On Twitter, there's an army of left-wingers, mostly angry left-wing women, defending her illegal actions, claiming it's perfectly normal to lie over and over and over and over again in financial transactions. Listen to this tweet from Frenchie. This is silly. Find me a person who doesn't fabricate SHIT on loans to get better interest rates. I'd be willing to bet it's a high majority. Are the bills being paid on time? If so, move on or deny the loans. Bigger fish to fry than someone saving some money on a home purchase. And then Amaruqua. Wow, everyone's scamming. Now let's bust the WYPO with this same energy. I don't know what the heck that word means. Nakia Brown. A black woman can help everybody else win, but when she want to step up to the front, it's a money issue. Yeah, okay. Mosby, hold your head up, sis. God's got you. Joanne said this, they've been trying to take her down ever since she stood up against the police who killed Freddie Gray. And it just goes on and on and on. I guess the worst part about this is people believe this is okay. Anybody that believes that's okay. First of all, I can tell you, I could never get involved in anything like that. But why? I'd be so scared to death. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Every time the doorbell rang, I, I would know it'd be a cop 
or the FBI coming to arrest me. I couldn't live that way. Obviously, Mosby's bulletproof. She doesn't have any emotions. I guess what you might call that is being a little bit of a pathological criminal, which is kind of ironic because she's a state prosecutor in Maryland, in Baltimore. You just can't make this stuff up. Oh my gosh. And speaking of attorneys that are going bonkers, public attorneys, Los Angeles District Attorney, George Gascon, you know who he is. We've talked about him here. He's the guy that was elected that he hates law enforcement. George Soros actually spent a million plus to put him in that office. Well, he's getting a little bit of some nasty criticism today. Why? Because a 26-year-old transgender woman pled guilty to sexually assaulting a young girl and faces sentencing of a short stay in a juvenile detention center or even probation. It's useless to catch criminals like this. Her name is Hannah Tubbs, by the way. If we don't follow through and seek justice for victims like this 10-year-old girl, she or he, whatever you want to call them, sexually assaulted. She bears the burden of a lifetime trauma. This is L.A. County Supervisor Catherine Barger talking. She'll be offered therapeutic interventions under the auspices of restorative justice and possibly granted only probation or parole. Where's the justice for her young victim and her family? Hannah Tubbs, age 26, he, she, pled guilty to sexually assaulting a 10-year-old girl in a women's bathroom in 2014 when she was two weeks away from turning 18. She walked into the bathroom of a Denny's where she grabbed the 10-year-old by the throat, locked her in a stall, and put her hand down the girl's pants. Tubbs stopped when another person walked in. Tubbs was not linked in the case until 2019. Her DNA was entered in a database when she was arrested on suspicion of battery in Idaho. Prosecutors filed charges against her for the 2014 assault case in 2020, right after Gascon took office. He is now, believe it or not, is currently facing a second recall effort in response to his rollback of tough-on-crime measures, including reforms that often ease potential sentences for murder suspects and ending the death penalty. Right after he took office, he vowed to immediately stop prosecuting children as adults, which he's remained committed to, sparked critics to lambaste him in this particular case. Gascon has cited studies showing brain development isn't complete until a person's 25 and contends juvenile detention can rehabilitate young offenders. Where is the rule of law in our nation when all of this stuff is being perpetrated and the people who are doing it just thumb their noses at the law? The rule of law, that framework that makes the Constitution, that almost in itself makes the Constitution the greatest founding document of any country in world history. The experts will say that. Ooh, I wonder if Fauci would say that. You think he'd agree with me? Well, hey, I mentioned Jamie Rathbun. 
Folks, you're not going to believe this guy. You're not going to believe what he said over the weekend and why and what was going on. I want you to hear it directly from him right after this at TNN Live. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring 649 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just 649. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet. Oh, oh, are we at the gas station? Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. <laughs> Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Look, we know that boy's going to ask again, so let's be ready. Fine, I'll be him. You ready? Ready. Mom, could you hook me up with a GoPhone? You'll run up the bill, son. Yo, that's whack, Moms. GoPhone is totally different. What? It'll only cost me an arm? Chillax. It has unlimited talk and text. Seriously? Word. Okay, we'll get a GoPhone. Really? Uh, Really? That is the bomb. Do you even know what the bomb means? Yes. No. GoPhone. Only from AT&T. With unlimited talk to 65 million wireless AT&T customers, and now unlimited text to anyone on any network. AT&T. Your world delivered. Average white band. I don't think you could put the word white in a band title today, but that's a story for another day. Hey, anytime, any show, TNN Live, you want to weigh in on the show, you want to ask a question, join a conversation, call us toll free 1 866 37 Truth. That's 1 866 378 So, Jamie Raskin. He is a representative from Maryland. While we're talking about Maryland, I mean, we just had a Mosby conversation, right? He was on CNN Anderson Cooper 360 on that show on Thursday. And he said that the Republican Party is a shrinking minority party. The Republican Party is shrinking and it is a minority party party. Interesting, huh? Listen to the rest of this conversation with Anderson Cooper. You describe yourself as a radical optimist in the book, but you also say you're bracing for the worst in 2024. You don't rule out street violence and electoral college violence. How does that scenario leave room for radical optimism? Well, I'm 
fundamentally optimistic about the history of American democracy, that we have always moved towards being a more perfect union. There has been backsliding, there has been reaction, there's been resistance. But in the big picture, we move forward. That If you look at our Constitution, at the 17 amendments we've adopted since the Bill of Rights, the vast majority of them have been pro-democracy, suffrage expanding, and um, equality deepening amendments. And so history is moving in the right direction. And I also think, and this is going to sound partisan, but in partisan terms, look, Hillary beat Trump by more than three million votes. You can even become the nominee and you can have the election stolen from you. Joe Biden beat him by more than seven and a half million votes. And the young people are increasingly on our side. The GOP is a shrinking minority party, which is why they're hanging on to every anti-democratic lever of power they've got, the gerrymandering of congressional and state legislative districts, the filibuster, the packing of courts. All of these things are covering up for the fact that the vast majority of the people reject what they have to offer. So we're in a titanic struggle here because it's a race between the vast majority of the American people who want democracy to keep going forward, and then a party that has positioned itself outside the constitutional order, which is attacking our elections, which is passing voter suppression statutes, and which is trying to deny majority rule in the country. There are several really important points that we need to just talk about for a second. And we'll discuss it if anybody wants to call. First of all, he said the vast majority of Americans disagree with the legislation that is underway across the nation. Not a piece, not a single piece in any of the election reform legislation that's passed. I think 13 different states have already passed some voter restructuring. Not a single thing restricts the right to vote in any single way. If people weren't being allowed to vote, Why have more people voted? Oh, by the way, why have percentage-wise in 2020 and 2022, more African Americans by percentage have voted than have white Americans? We're repressing the African American vote. That's the talking point of the Democrat Party since they stole, and I'm using that term uh, maybe not seriously, but They took control of the African-American community in this nation with the Lyndon B. Johnson Civil Rights Act. They demanded that they were the ones that passed it. They put it together when the facts say exactly opposite, but they don't want to talk about that. No Democrat Congress would pass it. It took the majority of Republicans coming over to pass the Civil Rights Act that Lyndon B. Johnson then took and turned it into a tool to take total control of the African social and private family life. What are you talking about, Dan? They included and used in it the welfare laws that have destroyed African-American families. Why so? It was way more lucrative for African-Americans to not live as families. No guys in the family. No husbands. 
that was the beginning of the slide. And of course, they don't want anybody to realize that back then, Democrats were so anti-anything that would give African Americans rights, that would reassert the rights that they had been given constitutionally from the very beginning. They were against it all. Al Gore's dad, a U.S. senator, Al Gore, former vice president, former senator himself, Al Gore's father gave the longest filibuster speech at the time, up until that time, the longest in American history. And you know what he was filibustering? The vote on the Civil Rights Act. He was from Tennessee, by the way. They don't want people to remember that. Raskin, folks, he just spit out all kinds of lies. But here's the the big point I want to bring out to you. You heard it all. You can adjudicate for yourself what you think he really meant, what he feels, and who he represents. But this is the guy, if you remember, that was the vilest. He was one of the uh, impeachment guys that stood up in front of the House and then in the trial across at the U.S. Senate of former President Donald Trump in the first impeachment trial. He spewed the most egregious venom that was full of lie after lie after lie against Donald Trump I've ever heard anybody do. The truth means nothing to this guy. I mean, you just heard it for yourself. You heard him spew all kinds of things. The majority, the vast majority of Americans despise everything that Republicans stand for. This is a guy that's in leadership in the U.S. House of Representatives. And the sad thing is, a lot of people listen to him. You heard what he said. This is going to sound partisan, but in partisan terms, look, Hillary beat Trump by more than 3 million votes. Joe Biden beat him by more than 7.5 million. And the young people are increasingly on our side. That's little more than a talking point. The GOP is a shrinking minority party, which is why they're hanging on to every anti-democratic lever of power they've got. They're gerrymandering congressional and state legislatives districts. You know how that happens? Most people that heard him say that have no clue how the uh, and why there is changing of congressional districts. It's in the Constitution. Every 10 years, when the new U.S. Census comes out, the House of Representatives, the number of those, where those 435 representatives are going to be distributed around the nation is based on the population in the various states and where that population is. They don't, when they elect in in these elections, when these people are running for office to serve as Congress members in the House of Representatives, they don't get into, well, I'm going to vote for this person because they're a Democrat. or I'm, They do that, but they have no thought in mind about gerrymandering, which is manipulating the congressional borders and lines in the districts in the various states. The Republicans complain the Democrats are gerrymandering. The Democrats claim Republicans are gerrymandering. When guess who would be the gerrymanders if they were really existent today? It would be the people who vote for these people. Yeah, they move the district lines around to kind of give one party 
an opportunity to get more people, more that are registered in their party to be able to vote in these elections, Johnny. I can see that happening. But does that change the face of the nation? No, it doesn't. But the truth, the veracity of any of this, it doesn't matter. They think you're stupid. They think you're too stupid to even understand that. And they don't give a rip about what you really think. They denigrate you over and over and over again. Look at what's happening. Look at what's happening in the nation today, in this administration and how they're responding. Folks, we could start at the top of this show and every other show this week and talk about nothing but one after another in bullet format if you want it. The lying, the cheating, the stealing, the anti-American stuff that is being initiated and enacted under this presidential administration, top to bottom. Joe Biden, he talks about the democracy in America and that he's here to save it. Every policy, everything he's done since the day he took office is opposite of that. They want to call anti-democracy, they want to call that democracy, and they think that you're going to believe that that's fact. They're doing what they're doing with impunity. How in the world could any United States president, if they were honest, if they would commit to and operate totally within their oath of office, how could they justify not enforcing federal law? I mean, I can't get past that point. That is the fundamental that makes this nation the greatest nation on earth. We have laws that our law enforcement people in the United States are expected to enforce. And yet here today, we're telling you, giving you information about laws that are broken, and we're telling it, ah, it was no big deal. Nobody enforced it. They're not going to do it. We have laws, folks, and we've had them for years. We've had them since Joe Biden was in the U.S. Senate when he voted for immigration laws to keep from happening what's happening down south. He's okay with. He's the great uniter. The great uniter, though he calls out almost daily People, anybody in America that disagrees with him, he has no respect for you. The other day in one question and answer after one of his little short speeches, it wasn't a press conference. He hadn't given a press conference since shortly after he was elected. You realize that? He doesn't want to talk to the American people directly. He wants to go on television and read a scripted script off a teleprompter. You know, those times he can wiggle through to get one out. (laughs) It never sounds like it's written, I can guarantee you. In one the other day, the the reporter that was asking the question, and I'm paraphrasing, he said something like, "Um, Mr. President, I don't want to insult you. I don't want to insult you in any way. But, and then he asked the question, the president looked at him and said, no, the fact that you would even ask that is an insult to me. How could a leader who answers to the people that hired him, and these media people are charged with bringing the operations and the news out of the government to the American people. You know the people that hired 
the president and every member of the United States Congress, we kind of like to need to know what our people that are working for us are doing right. And the president of the United States, even if he was just burned up that the guy asked that question, you don't respond in a denigrating fashion saying, no, the very fact that you would ask that question. (laughs) I mean, that's not what a president does. You remember Ronald Reagan, those of you that were around then? He got blasted just like Trump got blasted over his four years in every way. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have the cable networks, and so we didn't see it a lot. But we saw it fairly often. Every time he was confronted, he was gracious. He was kind, and a lot of, if not most of the questions he was asked were very negative. He never attacked a single person that was asking him a question. He was always gracious and kind. This president is anything but gracious and kind. And let me give you an example of another Democrat, House Majority Whip James Clyburn. You remember him. He's from South Carolina. He said Sunday on CNN's State of the Union that former President Trump and those who showed up at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, were domestic enemies. He said, we just got around the filibuster to raise the debt limit. Why? Because we don't want to put the full faith and credit of the United States at risk. The filibuster, he said, is there for all of these issues that may be policy issues. But when it comes to the Constitution, no one person sitting downtown in the spa ought to be able to pick up the form and say, you are going to put a hold on my ability to vote. That's what's going on here. I wish they'd stop that foolishness because if we don't protect the vote with everything that we've got, we'll not have a country to protect going forward. Clyburn added, I don't know where we got the notion from that this democracy is here to stay no matter how we conduct ourselves. Our job when we took the oath of office to protect this country from all enemies, foreign and domestic. There are domestic enemies that showed up January 6th They didn't stop there. They're still going on. And you hear it when the president tweets out or whatever he said about getting rid of people's convenient voting places, saying to paraplegics that we can't make it convenient for you to vote, saying to 90-year-old, you got to stand in line for four and five hours to vote. And if anybody gives you a glass of water, they'll put them in jail. That's third world stuff. None of what he said was true. None of what he said. Not one thing he said is factual. I could spend the rest of the show discounting everything that Congressman Clyburn had to say. It boils down to this, folks. If they really believed that the American people were going to hold them accountable, they wouldn't be spinning this mess. They wouldn't be spitting it every day when they're on these talk shows. They believe what they're saying. And what they are trying to build And this is another reason why I say regarding the Latinos coming across our southern border in droves. They're thinking that those people are going to support this very concept that you just heard from James Clyburn. What is that? It's authoritarian rule. 
How could this president issue all of the executive orders that he issued? He's over 100 now. Almost every one of them exclusively seizes control of what is constitutionally not just the responsibility, but the authority of the United States Congress. He seizes control of it, and he does whatever he thinks it should be or not be. He does that on his own, with no regard for the rule of law, the U.S. Constitution, or anything. Folks, all these Latinos, they're fleeing their countries in South America and Central America to come here. Do you? I can't see how Clyburn... And Biden and all of these open borders people believe that these people are going to come up here and just sign off benignly on the same political structure they are leaving their nations for. They're uprooting their lives. They're breaking their family units apart just to get up here. They're not coming up here to get in a nation where Joe Biden or the Democrats are in charge and that authoritarian rule is running here. They're running away from that to get here. There's no question we need to shore up the members of all of these groups coming from across our southern border. We need to shore it up. We need to make sure we know who is coming. We need to make sure that we stop the criminals from coming and many of them coming back. We need to make sure of that. There's no question about it. On that note, I am so anti-Joe Biden and his immigration policies I can't tell you how anti I am. 600,000 Texans were the subject of felony actions over a two-year period that came at the hands of illegals coming across our southern border. 600,000 Texans alone. And those crimes committed against them were everything from murder all the way down to break and enter. That has got to stop. But let the rest of them come in. They need to come in legally. We should hold that there. But And if we need to make the way to come in legally simpler, it's a process to apply for illegal, uh, excuse me, legal entry into the United States and visas and then citizenship. It's a long, drawn-out process. If we want to streamline that a bit, not taking away the hunger and the ability to pay a price to come to this nation. I'm not talking about that at all. But if you want to simplify it and make it all be legal, I'm for that. I am. And we need to do that. And the the lion's share of these people that are coming in, that are the good people, that are coming here to really make a change in their lives for the better and not rely on the government, they're going to be fine with it, whatever it looks like. Instead of just spewing this venom day after day after day at the American people who are just out there busting their butts to make a living, to stay healthy, to run from the political thuggery that we're dealing with every day that you almost feel dirty after you watch a newscast. Like you've got something on your arms and your head that you need to go get a shower just to get clean from it. That's what's going on. Coronavirus, you ask? I just got a text. Are we going to talk about coronavirus? (laughs) Yeah. 
big news comes out every day on that, you know. I don't like to let it dominate our news, and it hasn't for the first hour and 20 minutes. We haven't even mentioned it, with the exception of our opening story in that statement from uh, uh, Victor Davis Hanson. I guess you heard, I know you did. If you were here, you heard us, the uh, Senate committee hearing in which Rand Paul and Fauci got at it again. But later in that same hearing, another member of the Republican Party, a senator, asked Fauci about his income. And Fauci went postal. Oh, you don't have an idea. In fact, when he thought he was off camera, he referred to that member of the Senate as being a moron. Well, Fauci said over and over again, my financial records are today and always have been matters of public You can get them. Anybody can get them. He never said how to get them. So when he said that, I can only imagine who out there in the media, they said, we're going to go find out. Well, they did. According to Fauci's 2020 financials that were first released over the weekend by that guy, Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas, Biden's top medical advisor held investments in guess where? Companies in China through a fund that's named Matthews Pacific Tiger Fund. The Matthews Pacific Tiger Fund's fact sheet published in September of last year says the fund has invested 43% of its investors' money into companies in China and Hong Kong. Among those companies listed, a company named Wuxi Biologics Cayman, headquartered in China. The Wuxi Biologics Cayman is the pharmaceutical business. Wuxi Biologic Cayman's website states they are the leading global open access biologics technology platform offering end-to-end solutions to empower organizations to discover, develop, and manufacture biologics from concept to commercial manufacturing. With a total estimated capacity of exceeding 430,000 liters for biopharmaceutical production planned after 2024 in China, Ireland, the U.S., Germany, and Singapore, Wuxi, that's W-X-I is what it's listed on the stock exchange, Wuxi Biologics will provide its biomanufacturing partners with a robust and premier quality global supply chain network that funds additional investments into China and Hong Kong include Tencent Holdings Limited, Alibaba Group Holding Limited, AIA Group Limited, and Hong Kong Exchange and Clearing Limited. Outside of that fund, Fauci's reported $10.4 million financial investments include stakes in Atlas Large Cap Mutual Funds, PIMCO's Investment Grade Bond Fund, and the PAX Elevate Global Women's Leadership Fund, which invest into businesses that advance women through gender-diverse boards, senior leadership teams, and other policies and practices. Now, the only reason this came out was when this happened last week in that Senate committee. Senator Marshall, who disclosed Fauci's 2020 investments over the weekend, the doctor called him a moron. Dr. Fauci was completely dishonest about his financial disclosures being open to the public. 
This is Senator Marshall. Dr. Fauci must be held accountable to all Americans who have been suing and requesting for this information, but don't have the power of a Senate office to even ask for it. Does that have anything to do with COVID-19? No, it just has to do with Dr. Anthony Fauci. Some information came out from the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center over the weekend, and it shows that hundreds of thousands of students have dropped out of higher education across the U.S. since the state of the coronavirus pandemic and ensuing lockdowns really developed. Higher ed enrollment fell to further 2.7% in the fall last year, following a 2.5% in the preceding fall. Continued enrollment losses in the pandemic represent a total two-year decline of 5.1%, or almost a million students since the fall of 2019. And it wasn't just higher ed. Undergraduate enrollment fell by 3.1%. That's 465,300 students over the last 12 months. Every institution sector saw undergraduate enrollment drops with the largest numerical drops at public four-year institutions and the steepest percentage decline at private for-profit four-year colleges. Community colleges saw smaller enrollment drops than in the previous fall, but the number of associate degree-seeking students enrolled at four-year institutes fell much more steeply compared to the previous year. That's down 11% at public four-year schools, 6.2% at private nonprofit private four-year schools, and 12% at private for-profit four-year schools. Freshman enrollment stabilized following a a big decline in 2020, up about 0.4% or 8,100 students. However, far from recovering from last year's drop, the nation's fall 2021 freshman class was 9.2% smaller compared to pre-pandemic levels in 2019. Only four states did not see enrollment decreases. They're Arizona, Colorado, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. Don't know why. I don't know why, but looking at it from a global area, state-by-state analysis reveals which states had the highest declines in enrollment. Delaware, Vermont, Wyoming, New Mexico, New Jersey, New York, Maryland, and Oregon. Almost all Democrat states. Interesting. This pandemic has just been brutal, folks. Absolutely brutal. I don't even know how to get out of it. I think we know, we all know the way to start would be to start telling everything, telling Americans everything, giving us the full facts. A story came out, it wasn't actually a story, it was a, uh, a report listed by the National Health System of the UK, and it is not good. It is not good, and it gives some dire information about coronavirus and about our vaccines. I mean, it's, it's just, I can't tell you how bad it is, but we're going to do that. From a global scale, we're not going to get into all the numbers. We're going to do that, 
and we're going to the southern border. Mayorkas is back on his pulpit. That's next. It's a lot to take in, but when you need a refresher, it's all here. 24-7, 365. Every podcast, every blog. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. A divorce lawyer should be more than just a lawyer. Divorce is like no other experience, especially for guys. At Cordell & Cordell, our clients want a partner standing next to them. Someone they can trust. Someone who understands where they are and how to get them out. We are the attorneys of Cordell & Cordell. We are advisors and advocates for men. Before, during, and after divorce. We are Cordell & Cordell. A partner men can count on. To schedule your appointment, give us a call or visit us online at CordellCordell.com. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. Fake news, spin, anger, violence. How do you sort through the chaos? You tune in to TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. So where do you want to go first? You want to go to the southern border? You want to get into this UK government health care stuff? Why don't we do the foreign stuff first? This is going to shock you. The UK government issued a support, and it's available online, and we'll give you the link on our, on our website, truthnewsnet.org. But they have admitted that the vaccines, the three we have here and then the AstraZeneca one, which we don't have here, hadn't been approved yet, but they, they've had it approved and being used for months now in the UK. These vaccines have damaged the, nation, the natural immune system of those who have been double vaccinated. They admitted that once you've been double vaccinated, you will never again be able to acquire full natural immunity to this COVID. I'm talking about the original one, the Delta, the Omicron, or any others, or for any other virus that you would be exposed to later. You will never, they say, get full immunity against them. COVID-19 vaccine surveillance report is the name of it. They admit on page 23 that antibody levels appear to be lower in people who become infected after two doses of vaccination. It goes on to say that the drop in antibodies is essentially permanent. What does this mean? We know that vaccines do not prevent infection or transmission of the virus. We know that. 
In fact, the report shows elsewhere that vaccinated adults are now much more likely to be infected than the unvaccinated ones. The British now find that the vaccine interferes with the body's ability to make antibodies after infection, not only against the spike protein, but also against other parts of the virus. In particular, vax people do not appear to form antibodies against the nucleoapsid protein, which is the envelope of the virus, which is crucial in the response in unvaccinated people. In the long term, the vaccinated are far more susceptible to any mutations in the spike protein, even if they've already been infected and cured once or even twice or even three or four times. The unvaccinated, on the other hand, will gain lasting, if not permanent, immunity to all strains of the alleged virus after being naturally infected with it even once. The first insurance companies now are backing down. Why? Because of a huge wave of claims that are coming their way and they're processing now. Dr. Fauci confirms that the PCR test cannot detect live viruses. He confirms that neither the antigen test nor the PCR test can tell us whether someone is even contagious or not. This invalidates all the foundations of the so-called pandemic. The PCR test was the only indication of a pandemic. Without those tests, no pandemic. For all the press workers, doctors, lawyers, prosecutors, this, it could be the final key. The ultimate proof that we've got to stop all this insanity. Let me ask you this. I just read you a synopsis. The report, I think it's like 30 pages long. We'll put it up on our website, truthnewsnet.org, at the bottom of today's story. We'll do that after the show is over. You can look at it for yourself. Have you heard any of the mainstream media pick up on this? This came out over the weekend. Nope. Why is that? It doesn't fit the frame of narrative that they are using every day to sell us on the fact We've got to rely on our government for everything. We've got to listen to Dr. Fauci and all of the other medical experts because they know what's going on. But guess what they didn't realize? Or they, I think they're now waking up and figuring it out. But the Americans, the American people are awakening to this. In fact, folks, a lot of the media on the left are awakening to this. The biggest crazy new thing is we're going back to the mask stuff from a year and a half ago. And you remember all the hullabaloo with Anthony Fauci about the mask. No, they don't work. They're just show. Yeah, they work. Then they don't work. And then, well, you got, you got to wear two or you got to wear three. And then the N95 and then the 47 laboratory controlled test that we published here at Truth News Network that we got them directly from the CDC website and 47 different tests, not a single mask is 100% effective against COVID-19 or any other virus. Even the mainstream media is going crazy over this. Martha Raddatz, you know who she is. She's been with ABC News for a long time. She had the Surgeon General on yesterday. And listen to Martha and our U.S. Surgeon General. 
His latest plan to beat the virus faces widespread criticism over testing shortages and confusing public health guidance. It has been nearly two months since the Omicron variant was designated a variant of concern. And yet the CDC just upgraded its mask recommendations and the website for Americans to order those rapid tests won't go live until Wednesday. A group of Democratic senators are, are, is wondering why this took so long, writing the administration either knew or should have known that testing shortages were occurring across the country over the past several months and with the full expectation that the virus would likely mutate into a new variant, steps to increase testing access should have happened before the current wave hit, not several weeks into the surge. How would you respond to that, Dr. Murthy? My president said very clearly uh, in December that we have made a lot of progress on testing. In addition to the 20,000 locations where people can get free tests, but, but we're Dr. also Murthy, opening I, up a site I, I, where I know what you're doing now. But 1 the, billion rapid home tests. Dr. Murthy, I know what you're doing now, but the question Go is, ahead, why wasn't it done sooner? Look, you say uh, you, always, you always hold out hope, but you plan for the worst. It doesn't sound like that happened. Mm -hmm. Well, there was planning, uh, Martha, and there was execution on increasing the supply of tests. And that's uh, exactly what we have been doing. It's what we plan to keep doing. Yeah, we're going to have half a billion of them out in the month of January. They're doubling, tripling down on that. They're going to be out. In fact, now we're told you can, you'll be able to order some this week and you'll get them in a few weeks. <sighs> that's the testing thing. And now we come out with this N95 thing. This N95 mask, yeah, I'm sure it's better. If it was the panacea that cured everything, why didn't everybody in hospitals wear only N95 masks? I mean, they just wear these little cloth masks that you buy at the store. You know, they've got the strings that go around your ear. They're light blue, and you stretch them up, and there's a wire that you put over your nose and squeeze it down to cover it up. That's what they, if, if, if the experts were really genuine, and if what they are telling us now, we go back to the masks madness, if that's true, why haven't we been doing this all along, and why haven't they handled it and got it done? They knew we were short when they came into office that we didn't have enough of the test for everybody, and that it was growing as the pandemic infected more and more people, we knew more and more people were going to have to be impacted. It's exactly like our supply chain issue. Jen Psaki, when she was confronted, why haven't you done anything months and months and months after they went into office? And she broadly proclaimed, oh, we knew about it. We immediately, even before we took office, we started developing a plan. You know, we're the planners. We're the guys that know everything about everything. And of course, we prepared a plan. She didn't share the plan. And nobody in the press briefing room raised their hand to ask this question. Uh, Ms. Saki, can I get a copy of the plan? There was no plan. They still don't have a plan. There was no plan for this. We know factually that in October last year, Joe Biden, President Biden, was given the opportunity to place an order for a half a billion PCR tests. 
He said no. Why would he say no if they were planning because they knew there was going to be a shortage? They didn't have another plan. They just in the last two weeks signed a contract for the first $500 million. And of course, you know, there aren't companies on planet Earth that are accustomed to and geared and ramped up and ready to go to just turn out a billion tests here and a billion there. It takes time. The Surgeon General, Martha, kept asking him, why didn't you do anything? Why didn't you do anything? Instead of saying, we messed up, we made a mistake, he kept doubling down on stupid, doubling down saying the same thing. Oh, we did take actions. There are 20,000. If I hear that number again coming from Saki or anybody else out of this administration, we have 20,000 test sites. Hey, bud, we have 330 million people. How long is it going to take to get 20,000 sites to get tested? It's insane. And even at the congressional level, Bernie Sanders, senator, he's a cure-all. And the cure-all is stop everything that's private. Give everything to the federal government. Let the federal government do everything. Bernie Sanders, Senator Sanders, is on the mass thing, the N95 mass thing. And as you can probably guess, what's his Panacea for this all? Let the federal government buy them for every American. People are sick and tired of the kind of corporate greed that we are seeing. People on top right now during the pandemic are doing phenomenally well. While working people are struggling, many are dying literally as they're forced to go to work uh, in the middle of, of the pandemic. So this is not a complicated issue. But these are very different masks in terms of their effectiveness. This is an N95 mask. This is just a, a mask that most people use. The truth of the matter is, is a mask is not a mask. An N95 mask is far, far more effective in protecting the individual and also stopping the spread of the virus to other individuals. And we are going to, we have introduced legislation with 15 co-sponsors which would make sure that N95 masks are distributed to every household in America free of charge. We can save lives, save money, if we make sure that all of our people have the best quality masks available. Bernie Sanders never said, hey, why didn't the government do this before? Do you realize when they first started talking about mask wearing almost two years ago, you realize that? Almost two years ago, they started talking about wearing masks back in 2020. And it was like Fauci was up there preaching it every day. Oh, you've got to wear a mask. You've got to wear a mask. And then it was, you know, how to wear a mask. Um, it's just one thing after another. And the, folks, the core of all of this stuff there's only one possibility. They don't care. There's one thing to be wrong and admit it. It's another thing to be wrong and just double down on being wrong. I'm going to do it again, just like I did it before. Was it wrong? No, that's just what we do. We know more, and we're going to do it again. We're going to tell you we planned even if you know that we didn't plan by seeing that we didn't plan and you have no right to say anything back to us. And if you do, you're a white supremacist. 
I mean, that may sound extreme, but we're living in that world today. We are. We're living in that world. And people are weaponizing all of this. Very nasty, illegal people in large part are weaponizing this to find ways to margin it in their favor. They really are. You hear about all the money that's being made? Yeah, it's not being made by the people using the typical things that we use to start businesses, create ideas, borrow money from a bank to get something started, grow a company, make money, have a lot of people working for you that make a lot of money. That's not the way to do it. It's to find loopholes and to do it the easy way rather than the right way. Example, states across our country, you don't realize this because you never hear this, many states have budget surpluses. And those budget surpluses, even today, still include massive amounts of federal coronavirus stimulus payments. And so many of these governors are using that money, not for COVID-19, not to retrofit buildings, not to make sure their citizens have masks, but these Democrat governors are using that money to fight so-called climate change. Climate change. Governors of both red and blue states are directing funds to improve protection from extreme weather, which Democrats in the press blame on human activity and, of course, fossil fuels, governors such as Gavin Newsom and Washington's Jay Inslee, they're clear about their plans. They're boosting spending on climate-related projects one after another, expanding access to electric vehicles, creating more storage for clean energies like solar. Newsom Dean climate change, one of five existential threats facing the nation's most populous state when he rolled out his new proposed state budget last week. In Republican-led states, governors want to protect communities from natural disasters and drought, even as many of them won't link such spending to global warming. Arizona Governor Doug Ducey this past week pitched a billion dollars for water infrastructure as drought grips the western U.S., Shriveling water supplies for cities and farms. Idaho Governor Brad Little. He's acknowledged climate change role in worsening wildfires. Wildfires. He proposed $150 million for five years worth of firefighting cost, plus more for new fire personnel. South Carolina. Governor Henry McMaster called on lawmakers to spend $300 million in federal money for, among other things, protecting the state's coastlines against flooding, erosion, and storm damage. Novel idea. Most of this money, it's coronavirus relief. If you're not going to spend it for coronavirus relief, that would mean that you don't need it for coronavirus relief. I wonder how many states have sent money back to the federal government, coronavirus relief money. Not a one. Not a dollar, not a dime. Nobody's refused it. They take it. And obviously what they're doing, they're doing whatever fits their political demands. And of course, their political demands are devised by the Democrat 
National Committee. It's all about the political narrative of the day. And I told you about Mayorkas. Let me find my Mayorkas story. He said he's going to support the illegal migrants who are suing us, the American people, for family payouts of $900,000 after they were separated from their kids as they were prosecuted for illegal entry. This was exposed, him supporting this, by one of the high-status law firms working with the illegals, but only after Biden's political team and lawyers revealed just a week or so ago they would oppose that giveaway in court. The statement says, In August 2021, Guatemalan migrant Ms. CM attended a meeting between separated parents and DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Secretary Mayorkas told us that it was his job to support us after what we suffered. I feel betrayed and deeply sad now. They're fighting us in court. We want justice and make sure this never happens again. These migrants, including Guatemalan migrant CM, are portrayed by the far-left migration advocates and media as helpless victim of Donald Trump's claimed cruelty. But Ms. CM's legal claim strongly suggests she is an economic migrant who was using border loopholes like the Flores catch-and-release loophole to join the illegal migrant father of her child who had already gotten to Oakland. The claim says Planif Arandira CM now resides in Oakland, California. While she was detained by Trump's DHS in Atlanta, Arandira wanted to call Yasmin's father, Indira's long-term partner and now husband who lives in Oakland. The meeting with Mayorkas took place this past summer. That was before one government official leaked the ACLU's demand for payouts of 450000 per person to the migrants, and before Biden's poll-watching East Coast deputies pushed out several of Mayorkas's appointed allies because of Biden's terrible ratings on immigration policy. The lawsuit doesn't explain why the woman and her child were given the huge prize of being allowed to live in the United States, but the lawyers, the lawyers, the lawyers, they still want the dollar payout. She said, Miss CM, I still live with the pain of my daughter being taken from me. No family should ever suffer the way we suffered. Don't break the law. I'm just copying Joe Biden. Get close to the microphone. Then don't break the law. It's become almost commonplace. Many deported migrants leave their kids with illegal migrant relatives here in the U.S. That choice of voluntary separation gives their kids a good chance to become American citizens, still allows for conversations through cell phone. But the pro-migration lawyers are seeking to stigmatize and punish enforcement of border law. And so here's here's what we're doing, folks. They break the law. We don't do it. We're just working in our lives every day. Here I am in our studio. I'm on a microphone talking to you. You're at work or you're maybe off today because it's a federal holiday and you're listening in. 
You're doing what you do and you're abiding by the laws. That doesn't matter to these people. What matters? The love of money is the root of all evil. One group of lawyers put this out. Our highest priority is to reunite these partly deported families. As we so powerfully saw, these are young people in their formative years. These are sometimes children as young as three. We are addressing the needs and vulnerabilities, not only of the children, but of course their moms, their dads, the people that make up these families. Three years of age at the time of separation, it's extraordinarily cruel and inhumane. It's the law. You don't like the law, change the law. Change the law. Don't just thumb your nose at the law and ignore the ones that you don't think we should be enforcing. That's not your call. In 2013, Mayorkas declared that America's homeland is a nation that always has been and forever will remain a nation of immigrants. In April 2021, he said migrant-owned companies are the backbone of our communities and of our country. In May of 2021, a month later, he staged the televised reunification of migrant families to distract media coverage from what was going on at the border while they were doing that. In June, Mayorkas promised he would put the dignity of foreign migrants foremost in our efforts. He's not an academic. He has a budget of more than $50 billion, and he's using his bureaucratic and his regulatory powers, which he has as DHS secretary, to pull many economic migrants through several little side doors in immigration law. Even though Congress created those side doors for use by small numbers of persecuted asylum seekers, real persecuted asylum seekers, stranded travelers, victimized children, and injured people traveling. Mayorkas' pro-migration policies are causing the family separations he says he wants to fix. Rob Law, the Director of Regulatory Affairs and Policy at the CIS, Cities Center for Immigration Studies, he said this, Well, I wouldn't call it irony, I'd call it cruelty. This is intentionally being done, and there's no remorse for it. The open border policies of the Biden administration create the separation of families as the migrants seek out the economic opportunities of living in the United States. And they want they just want to ignore that, folks. They don't care. They do not care about these people other than they're a chit in the game of garnering by allowing these people to come in the way they're allowing them to come in, not even trying to enforce immigration law. A chit in the game of winning political majority permanently in the United States. ABC Tonight, it's all about big cash. Here we go! And big crash. <laughs> On the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. Give me some money! To win it all. The big winner of $1 million. Then, host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Sweep. On your carts! Get set! Yeah. And we're going to need a cleanup on every aisle. You are on fire! It all starts tonight, 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. 
few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. It's MLK Day, celebrating the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King. Listen, you guys have a great Monday. Enjoy the holiday if you're off. Make sure you check out our stories every morning at truthnewsnet.org. And of course, I want you back. Tomorrow morning, 9 sharp. ABC Tonight is all about good cash. Tomorrow morning at 9 sharp. I'll see you then at TNN Live. So long, everybody. Far too many of you crying Brother, brother, brother There's far too many of you dying You know we got to find a way